Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And happy Feast Day of St. Andrew today on this Thursday morning. It's November 30th, 2023. Great to be with you on EWTN. little background about St. Andrew, who's buried along the Amalfi Coast in the beautiful coastal town of... Amalfi. The church there is spectacular if you ever get the chance to go. St. Andrew, the first apostle named by Jesus, a fisherman and the brother of St. Peter, a disciple of John the Baptist, and was the one who first introduced Peter to Jesus. After Jesus' death and resurrection, Andrew evangelizes cities all around the Black Sea and up to Kiev, now modern-day Russia as well, a trip of over a 1,000 miles from the Black Sea. He was crucified on an X-shaped cross in the year 60 in the city of Patras, in which is now Greece, the patron of many countries, including Scotland, Russia, Georgia, Ukraine, and Greece, as well as being a patron of Amalfi, Italy, and of fishermen, pregnant women, singers, butchers, and farm workers and many of his relics, and we'll talk about that with Steve Ray later in the program, reside in the Piazza Duomo or Cathedral in Amalfi, on the Amalfi Coast in the region of Campania. Since 1304, his relics exude a supposedly miraculous liquid four times a year called St. Andrew's Manna, and his feast day, again, is November 30th. Thanks to Marcy of my tea team for putting that up, and you can find it on my Facebook page as well as TravelItalyExpert.com. St. Andrew, pray for us. Well, as we mentioned, we are going to be talking about this feast day and this great saint with Steve Ray, the one, the only, a convert to Catholicism, and a wonderful pilgrimage leader who's been to the spot of the Galilee, Sea of Galilee, many, many times, and we'll talk about that and the overall ministry of this great saint. So Steve will wrap up our show at 39 minutes past the hour to begin with after a lot of news and an update on what's going on. Speaking of the Middle East, the one, the only, Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTM will be joining us to talk all about Advent starting this weekend. We're also going to be talking a lot about Advent. I think we have Father Chris Alar on tomorrow, and, and I really think we need to learn more about this season on the church calendar. Because oftentimes we can get sucked into the world and forget about Advent because obviously there are things going on during Advent that you can't avoid. I mean, there's different uh, events and parties and gatherings and concerts. And this is supposed to be a slower time, a time of anticipation. And we're not supposed to get all geared up with all the Christmas stuff until right after Advent is over. But, you know, how do we balance that out, given the activities that we have to be involved in? And we'll talk with Father Mitch Pacwa about that. So that is a program for today on a Thursday, which is November 30th. And just a reminder to keep EWTN and all the wonderful 400-plus affiliates around the country between your gas and electric bills, many of whom are having end-of-the-year campaigns to raise money and stay on the air. That would include Ave Maria Radio. So if you're interested, you can check us out at AveMariaRadio.net. We're co-producers of this program and many more here at EWTN. All right, what's the weather saying? Well, National Weather Service is telling us that there will be some severe thunderstorms for southeastern Texas. So scattered storms with some very severe Today, mainly over the southeastern portion of the Lone Star State, a conditional risk for a few tornadoes will be possible. And then a series of cold fronts starting to impact areas along 
the west of the Cascades today with rain for the valleys and snow at many mountain passes. And so also there could be some heavier participation, uh, precipitation in many areas of the country. So instead of the snow, now we've got some temperatures rising and we've got some bad rain uh, spouts happening all over the country. So keep that in mind. Again, it's a Thursday, the Feast of St. Andrew, and I love the readings for today. Did you see the readings, especially the first reading from Romans about how beautiful the feet of those who bring the good news? How timely to talk about this on the Feast of St. Andrew. Let's check out and see what's happening in the news and around the world and see what is the latest coming out of all different parts of the globe on a Thursday morning, November 30th. Well, that truce between Israel and Hamas is being extended for another day. The Israeli military says a temporary ceasefire in Gaza will continue for the process of releasing hostages and subject to the terms of the agreement. The six-day truce was just set to end at 7 a.m. local time today, following the release of 16 Hamas captives in exchange for 30 Palestinian prisoners being held by Israel. And Scott Pringle tells us a handful of pro-Palestinian protesters are facing charges after clashing with police right near the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting celebration that took place last night. Hundreds of protesters gathered just a few blocks from the tree. When they tried getting closer to the tree, they were met with barricades and a large number of officers. One of them charged with assaulting an officer and others were charged with disorderly conduct and criminal mischief. Meanwhile, the tree lighting went on without a hitch. The 80-foot-tall Norway spruce will remain lit every day from 5 a.m. to midnight through mid-January. A new poll shows a number of college students experiencing or seeing anti-Semitism is up this academic year. The poll by the Jewish-led Anti-Defamation League and the International Foundation found that nearly three in four Jewish students and 44 percent of non-Jewish students saw or experienced anti-Jewish ideas since the start of 2003-2024 school year. In 2021, only about a third of students say they witnessed or experienced anti-Semitism. And Denver City Council adjourning this week meet, this week's meeting after Palestinian supporters took over. Many called on the council to cancel the Jewish National Fund's global conference for Israel happening later this week in Denver. The council president ended the meeting when protesters continued speaking for another hour after the 30-minute public comment period had ended. Michael Kastner tells us that former President George W. Bush is among the many paying tribute today to longtime diplomat Henry Kissinger following his death. Kissinger died Wednesday night at his home in Connecticut. He served as national security advisor and later as U.S. Secretary of State under both Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. Bush wrote in a statement that America has lost one of the most dependable and distinctive voices on foreign affairs. He added he was grateful for his service and advice, but most grateful for his friendship. Kissinger once told ABC's Barbara Walters he had no regrets. If I had to do it over again, I would do again substantially the same way, which may make me unreconstructed and maybe one reason why I'm at peace with myself. House Speaker Mike Johnson, in other news, says he has real reservations about expelling New York Republican George Santos from Congress. He told reporters yesterday he is concerned about the precedent it would set given Santos has not been convicted of a crime. I personally have real reservations about doing this. I, I'm, I'm concerned about a precedent that may be set for that. Um, so we're, everybody's working through that and we'll see how they vote. A third expulsion vote will be taking place this week after Representative Robert Garcia introduced a resolution on the House floor earlier this week. Congressman Santos is accused of breaking campaign finance laws and lying in his campaign. He's facing some 23 criminal charges. And it's red versus blue when Florida's governor, 
Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and California's Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom go head-to-head during their televised showdown this evening. That debate between the two political heavyweights airing on the Fox News Channel at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. House Republicans are ramping up their impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. Oversight Committee Chair James Comer telling reporters several committees will interview members of the Biden family and their associates over the next several months. Joe Biden has repeatedly lied to the American people about his family's corrupt influence peddling schemes. Our investigation has revealed how Joe Biden knew of, participated in, and benefited from his family cashing in on the Biden name around the world. Republicans claim the president took part in an influence peddling scheme and illegally profited from his family's foreign business dealings. And construction is underway on the winterized base camp for migrants in Chicago's Brighton Park neighborhood. This protester, though, is demanding some transparency from city officials as crews began setting up the first tent frames yesterday. I beg them, please talk with us. If you're going to force this upon us, just be honest so we can work it out. We do have concerns. The site is expected to immediately house hundreds of migrants. The camp has faced opposition from the community over safety concerns following discovery of toxic metals at the site. Lisa Taylor tells us J.P. Morgan Chase is warning inflation could rise even more and a recession, therefore, could still be possible. CEO Jamie Dimon said at the New York Times Deal Book Summit in New York that interest rates could continue to go up. He noted the governments across the world needing more money for their militaries and to address energy crises could contribute to inflation. Diamond said that while the U.S. labor market has been stable, inflation is hurting people. The city of Long Beach, California, confirming its data was stolen in a major cyber attack. Richard Greenberg, president of the Information Systems Security Association of Los Angeles, commenting on the attack yesterday. Nobody wants to be running a government where their constituents' data is in their care and then all of a sudden it's released to the public or to the world. It's embarrassing. It's, it shows a failure of due diligence. The cyber attack forcing the city's online systems to go offline for more than two weeks. The type of information that was taken is not clear, but city officials say it did not appear to be a ransomware attack. The city says systems that went offline have been slowly brought back online since then. The 2023 Atlantic hurricane season ending today, finishing up with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is calling an above normal season. The 20 named storms ranks as a fourth highest since 1950. Six in 10 U.S. drivers admit to unsafe behaviors behind the wheel. This according to a new survey out this week from the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety. Dangerous behaviors include speeding, texting while driving, running red lights, generally some pretty aggressive driving, and also driving while impaired. Brian Shook tells us electric vehicles are less reliable than cars powered by gas or hybrids. That's according to a new survey by Consumer Reports. It found that EVs are nearly 80% more likely to have issues than conventional vehicles. That includes problems with electric drive motors, charging, and batteries. Senior Director of Auto Testing Jake Fisher at Consumer Reports said that could be attributed to growing pains because the cars are based on new technology. The labor costs for General Motors in North America going up $1.5 billion compared to the previous contract with the United Auto Workers Union Company CEO Mary Barra and their chief financial officer Paul Jacobson telling investors yesterday production is back to what it was before the strike began in September. The company says they are looking at ways to offset the higher labor costs around the automaker. 
And did you ever wonder what happens to those letters that little children write to Santa and then drop in the mailbox? Well, the post office has begun collecting them and reading the heartwarming stories. One that I read yesterday, he's asking for help to keep their home because their mom is going to eviction court. That's Becky Hernandez with the post office in Texas saying all those letters go to a main collection point. When it arrives at the post office, it's directed to a special bin. We put them into a system where it's people across the country can adopt those letters. It's called Operation Santa, and they are then put online where strangers can fulfill those wishes. All the information is on the U.S. Post Office website. Bree Tennis tells us as we move from Thanksgiving into the Christmas holiday season, and of course we're going to be talking about Advent coming up with Father Mitch Pacwa. She says we probably have a lot already on our social calendar. The average American will be invited to five holiday parties between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. Five days to dress up, make small talk, and enjoy the season. One poll says if you're going to a bash, 71% of hosts say the party is over after two and a half hours. Lending Tree says the average cost of a holiday bash is $640, so it is best to be a guest. It is a Thursday morning, the Feast of the Apostles, St. Andrew. Steve Ray will join us a little bit later on in the program at 39 minutes past the hour to discuss. But right after the break, it is Thursday, and we have cultural connections with Father Mitch Pacwa talking this morning about Advent. What can we do to balance things out and not get caught up in all the cultural activities that are going on related to the holidays? He'll explain up next on a Thursday. You are listening to EWTN. We'll be right back. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title of the angelic doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a basic textbook for young theology students that became the church's most famous guide to the faith, the Summa Theologica. It helped him earn the title Doctor of the Church. He died in 1274. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com.
Advent begins this weekend, first Sunday of Advent, and to talk all about that and to give us some ideas on how to find balance in this very busy time of year is our very own Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTN Radio and TV, his many books, his scripture expertise. He's just full of knowledge and help for us. So, Father, I think it's a challenge, especially for parents uh, with young children when they have these different activities and events at school, whether it be a dance recital or a concert or maybe getting have the kids getting invited to various parties. When we really try to just tone things down, because Advent, we know from our faith, is supposed to be this time of waiting and anticipation. But how do we balance that out, living in the real world? Because we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Good to be with you. And it's great to, to discuss this at the beginning. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of Advent. Um, uh, you know, last week I had uh, our our. Bishop Emeritus uh, Robert Baker on my show talking about this problem. And here's here's the way I would situate it. First of all, we have um, Advent comes in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Two of the biggest holidays for families in the, in our culture. And as a result, um, you know, you have school coming, you know, getting out on the basis of the school year holiday, not Advent. <laughs> and you have big celebration at the beginning, one, then the Christmas. But in between, we also have to deal with all the facts. One is, economically, this is the time when corporations have their Christmas parties because this is when they can give the bonuses for the year to help with Christmas buying and also the taxes and all that. So that's going on. And then there's stuff that's, well, some schools some schools don't celebrate anything. Right. So maybe they want to join us for Advent. <laughs> right. So this is you know, the kind of thing that's going on. In the midst of all that, uh, of course, folks in the corporate world need to go to the Christmas parties, etc. But here's where we can a- exercise uh, a couple elements of Advent. First, remember what it's about. In the Roman Rite, it's a four-week season to commemorate the 4,000 years of biblical history before the coming of Christ. And that's why we have so many readings from the Old Testament, especially mm. from the great prophet Isaiah. So we should remember, you know, this is a time of anticipating. Why do we need to look forward to the coming of Christ in our lives, personally, as a nation, and as a universe? That's, that's the purpose of this. Looking, getting into an understanding of longing for Christ, and this is usually a uh, traditionally was a season of lesser abstinence than Lent, but abstinence was part of it. I remember as a child that we would uh, have Advent boxes where we'd put our candy, money, and other things that we have, and at the end of the right before Christmas vacation. Mm-hmm. The sisters would collect them, and they would use it for the poor, so they could have a good Christmas. 
these, those are things that we can, again, always see the combination of abstinence looking towards generosity. And I would also say this. We, in that anticipation, I would recommend that, especially as Catholic believers, that we hold off on some of the decorations for a little bit anyway, especially those that are more of the secular orientation. Um, we're not trying to promote the um, commercialization of Christmas. and As much fun as it is, and of course, you have little kids, you got to have um, Rudolph and all that. But, you know, still, to look towards, uh, you know, getting our houses ready with the, an orientation that speaks of Christ and try to do that kind of orientation so that as we get closer to Christmas, maybe delay a little bit the setting of the Christmas tree closer to Christmas, not because it's just something pretty and adds to the you know the distinctiveness of the house, but that you really are preparing for the coming of the Christ child. And you and this is something that is uh, another issue. Commercially, people start taking down their Christmas. Oh, I was just going to ask you about that. Christmas. The day after Christmas, because or the evening of Christmas. New Year's. The evening then, of Christmas. And then, of course, there's Valentine's Day sales that we have to oh, get ready for. You know, yeah, <laughs> right exactly. after the New Year's, right? Right, and right. So, so this was said, no, 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 no. Uh, let's keep our Christmas decorations up until Epiphany. That Epiphany is the 12th day of Christmas. Celebrate the Christmas season during the Christmas season and prepare for it with Advent, like an Advent wreath, Advent candles, prayer together. Uh, again, have not only a family meal on Thanksgiving and Christmas Day, have more thanks, uh, more family dinners and add a little prayer and get each of the kids involved and, and both parents involved. Everybody's saying a prayer, taking turns so that it becomes a bit more prayerful, looking forward to Jesus coming into our hearts, and at the same time, a concern for those who are in need. Mm. Not, uh, you know, I, I, of course, as I was a little kid, I would just stare at the toys I wanted out of the Sears catalog. Um, <laughs> I right. keep going back to the same page to try to give my parents a hint for what they couldn't afford. as a lot of kids do, but also, you know, try to reorient our families. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be nice to you and do nice things, but it's not going to be this, you know, carnival of opening one box after another where you end up playing more in the boxes. No, have a moderate gift-giving that also opens the way to sharing with people who especially, you know, the economy is such a mess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are borrowing so much. And food is so expensive. Just normal food. People are struggling. For, so for those who are not struggling quite as much, work with your parishes and use this Advent as a time of preparing for generosity. The Hispanic culture has this wonderful custom nine days before Christmas of having a, a 
different persons dressed up as Mary and mm-hmm. Joseph looking for a place to go, and they they sing hymns appropriate to Advent. Uh, o Come, O Come is, uh, Emmanuel is a lot more uh, appropriate than watching whether Santa Claus was kissing Mommy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 we, our stores will emphasize secular Christmas songs that emphasize romance, while uh, we are to look for hymns that and 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 Christmas oh, Advent music and Advent readings that focus us towards the coming of Christ. I had Scott Hahn on my show last night, and he's mm-hmm. got a wonderful new book, uh, you know, about you know Catholics in exile. That yeah, yeah it's a, it's a great book. Exile. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And just to remind, let Advent remind us. Yeah, this is our world and our culture. But we're not fully at home here. We're citizens of heaven, and we use Advent to remind us there's something way more to come. And God took the initiative to become one of us, uh, being born in a cave uh, from the womb of a virgin, in order to bring us all the way to our homeland. Uh, This is a good thing to remember and to try to keep us a bit more separate from the secular madness and a bit more focused on, a lot more focused on Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take a quick break and more on Advent with the one and the only Father Mitch Pacwa. Don't forget, of course, you can see him on Wednesday nights and also hear him on the radio. Just check out Father Mitch at EWTN.com for all the scheduling details. More on how we as Catholics are to look at this season, especially the reason for the season. Yay, Jesus. We'll be right back. While Mary's not mentioned as often as Moses, not mentioned as often as Peter or Paul, her role in Scripture is even more significant. She's absolutely unique. There are many prophets, there are many apostles, but there's only one God-bearer. There are a lot of people who proclaim the Word of God. There's only one woman who bore the Word of God, quite literally, within her. She's utterly unique in that she literally transmits the Word of God to the world. So when the Word of God wanted to take on human flesh, whose human flesh did he choose? It was Mary's. She donated out of her own life substance the flesh of Jesus. The body prepared for Christ is taken from the Blessed Mother. Nobody else in salvation history occupies such a role. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Believers who respond to God's Word and become members of Christ's body become intimately united to Him, the Catholic Catechism tells us. Through the sacraments, those who believe are intimately united with Christ in a very real and hidden way. The body's unity does not do away with the diversity of its members who engage in a diversity of functions. The unity of the mystical body triumphs over all human divisions. There are no Jews, no Greeks, no slave, no free man. All are one in the body of Christ. 
Christ is the head of the body of the church, the principle of creation and redemption. We are united with Christ in his Passover. All his members must strive to resemble him until Christ is formed in them. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Paragraph 524 from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. When the Church celebrates the Liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming. That's beautiful. I I can't remember last time I looked up. I mean, I love looking up things about the Catechism, Father. And by the way, we're talking Mm -hmm. with Father Mitch Pacwa for our Cultural Connections on a Thursday. You grab the catechism, you can do it online very quickly, just to see, you know, catechism of the Catholic Church. Put in a topic, boom, a church has something on it. But I would make a note of this, folks, 524. Again, when the church celebrates Liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faith will renew their ardent desire for his second coming. And Father, this alludes to something you said earlier. This is why we have so many Old Testament readings. So you see in these Old Testament readings, especially from Isaiah, the expectancy that pops out in Scripture. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is some. Uh, there is a great line in uh, one of my uh, favorite Old Testament scholars, uh, Gerhard von Rath. Uh, and he, in his theology of the Old Testament, he said that the Old Testament is uh, a body without its completion as a head. It, in other words, he's trying, he was pointing out that it looked forward to something else, and it's left hanging. You know, even uh, in the Old Testament, you see the prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel, who wrote both during the Babylonian exile when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. That's when they were writing. And they both said that the covenant is broken. It's over. And they announced that to Israel, and then the city was destroyed. But then, after the city was destroyed and the rest of the people taken into exile, they wrote that there's going to be a new covenant. Uh, In Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 34, it's looking forward to another covenant that never happens in the Old Testament. It's left hanging. And that sense of entering into that longing that goes all the way back to the uh, fall of Adam and Eve through the end of the book of Daniel, uh, and the, the book of Malachi, um, these, all of that is looking towards them. We, we need to look towards Christ. And at the same time that we're looking towards it, part of the beauty of looking at the Old Testament is to see how Christ fulfills it. I mean, uh, one of the most uh, profound elements of the fall of Adam and Eve is when the Lord God curses the serpent and says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. 
and he will strike at your uh, head, and you will strike at his heel. Mm-hmm. Now, where do we see this is such an odd passage? Because women don't contribute the seed at the conception of a child. That's what a man contributes. And yet, the Lord God speaks of her seed, the only place where that's associated with a woman, until God becomes flesh Mm. by the action of the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin. There's no man's seed involved in that. But it's uh, that that component is created at that moment within the womb of the virgin, and that kind of praying and meditating on how that longing of the Old Testament did get fulfilled that the New Testament does become the head uh, 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 do I have a minute sure go ahead yeah, yeah, plenty yeah, of time. I'll never forget that I was once in Israel, and there was a little dispute between a hotel employee and one of the people on my pilgrimage. And they didn't know, he didn't know any English, he didn't know Hebrew, so I translated between the two and resolved it, and it was a simple thing. Um, so we took care of it. But then he says to me after she walked away, you speak Hebrew? I said, yes, well, I, especially Old Testament. I, I read the Tanakh. I told him Tanakh, the Hebrew word for the, the uh, first, the, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And he said, but you don't believe it. I said, of course I believe it. The Tanakh is the word of God. He said, if you have a Mercedes, why would you look for something else? In other words, the Old Testament is like a Mercedes. Why would you want something uh, else named the New Testament? And I said, aha. If I have a Mercedes, what good is it if I don't turn on the lights to see where I'm headed? Ooh. And, and this is something that we can go to the New Testament, from the New Testament back to the Old, through these four weeks of uh, Advent especially, and see this is, these are the special lights that Jesus turned on by fulfilling prophecies that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That, uh, you know, and you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Mm -hmm. least in the clans of Judah, and you will be born the Messiah. You know, I mean, we can just keep looking. And the readings at Mass throughout this season, especially as we get close to to the time of the uh, uh, birth of Christ, uh, those readings keep reminding us of that Old Testament root. The lights are there, and Jesus is the light that turns them all on. Mm. That's one of the things that we want to look to. Even, you know, one of my favorite Gospels, uh, <laughs> sometimes drives people nuts, but I love the gospel of the genealogy. And to contemplate the genealogy by going back and looking up those names and see what they did and how all of them are sinners. And Jesus enters into the pollution of human history to redeem those sinners because God so loved the world that he sent his son. He didn't say, I'm disgusted with you, I hate you. No, no, no. He loved the world before he sent the son. And we need to use this season to 
get a more vivid sense of how much our Lord loved the world, and that's why he sent his Son to become flesh, so that he could make an atonement for us. That's the purpose of the birth. Not just to have a pretty baby. It's to atone for human sins by becoming flesh, while being fully God, fully man, and eventually going to the cross. And to, to start looking at elements uh, within Christmas that even point to that beyond it, to the ultimate redemption. And I don't know uh, uh, if, if people notice, but in the first Sunday of Advent, we typically have readings from the end of the world. Mm. Father, we're going to pick this up next week because we're out of time. But I love the suggestion of looking at the gospel with the uh, the background of Jesus in terms of the lineage and looking up those names. I never thought of that. What a great way to dive more deeply into Scripture. And that could take you a couple hours because there's quite a few names in that in that gospel. Father, thank you so much. We will talk about this again, I'm sure, as we move into the Advent season this weekend. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. I usually am operating on the gifts of the Holy Spirit when I don't feel well, even when I'm annoyed, when I'm down and out. During my recovery from an automobile accident, immense numbers of people wrote to me and sent me emails, 50,000. And they told me how helpful they thought my talks on EWTN were to them. I'm delighted. But I want you to know, I'm nobody's fool. The talks that were helpful, the sentences that were helpful, the phrases that were helpful, came from the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the styrofoam packaging came from me. I did that. And styrofoam doesn't amount to very much. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popchuk. How do we raise faithful kids? Well, the answer is surprising. Make the faith the source of the warmth in your home. Fifty years of research involving thousands of families has shown that the single most important way to increase the likelihood that children will own their faith as adults is to let them experience the practical difference their faith makes in their daily family lives. Kids who grow up in homes where the practice of their faith makes their households more peaceful, more loving, more joyful, are much more likely to practice their faith as adults. Why? Because for kids especially, faith is only real if they can see it being lived out at home and producing good fruit in their relationships at home. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, check out the newest editions of Parenting with Grace and visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. Hope you're having a great Thursday morning. It's November 30th, the Feast of St. Andrew the Apostle. And here to talk about that is our very own Jerusalem Jones, Steve Ray, who's been to the Sea of Galilee countless times and is very, very familiar with the area where it all began that we're hearing about in the Gospel this morning. Hey, Steve, good to catch up with you. Happy almost Advent. Happy Feast of St. Andrew. 
Good morning, and uh, your producer is Andrew. So Andrew, I know he enjoys yes. this show, and he does a great job, by the way. So he does. Feast day, I'd like to compliment him. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit, first of all, about who Andrew was. Uh, we know he was the brother of Peter, but but take it from there. Start us out in terms of what do we know about his family in his early life? Okay. First of all, he was born in Bethsaida. He lived the time with Jesus and being a disciple. He lived in Capernaum, but he was born and raised just north and west, uh, east of that on the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee. And we know from the Bible that him, uh, Peter, Andrew, and Philip were from the city of Bethsaida. Now, that city's name means the house of the fishermen. So when you go there and you do exploring and things, there, there's you can actually see the house, the remains of the house of a fisherman there. And it was on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee at the time. It's not today because the sea has moved a bit. But Andrew would have lived there. They learned fishing from his father in the Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. The father had to teach his sons a trade because if he didn't teach them a trade, it says they taught him to be a thief because they didn't have a way to make any money. So he would teach, he would take um, the sons out fishing, and that's where they learned to fish. And somewhere along the line, though, they moved to uh, uh, Capernaum, which is maybe a couple miles away. I think I know why, Teresa, because they were good businessmen. They were fishers, fishermen. And in the... Um, at that point near Capernaum, there was a tax booth, and guess who was sitting there collecting taxes as you traveled between the two provinces? Mm-hmm. Matthew. Matthew, Matthew right. the tax collector. So they had to take their fish, um, Andrew and Peter, and uh, all the way through that checkpoint. They'd have to pay the tax, go down to Magdala to have the fish processed, and then back. And they, I think they said, you know what? Why are we paying all these taxes? Why don't we just move to Capernaum? It's a big city. We can then be on the other side of the border, and we don't have to pay taxes all the time. So that's, that's just one of my theories of why they then ended up in Capernaum. But Capernaum was a big harbor city, and that's where they were fishing until they met Jesus. And it says that Andrew was walking along, and uh, at a certain point— that um, he's the one that brought Peter to meet Jesus. Now, one of the interesting things about this is you can tell that he was already a deeply spiritual man because he was a disciple of John the Baptist. So he wasn't just a fisherman, but in his spare time, he was, along with probably it's John, because they mentioned two, John. He was a disciple of John the Baptist, and probably they would travel down to the uh, Jerusalem area quite frequently, which is a five-day walk. So if he's a disciple of John the Baptist, that means he's already looking and waiting for the Messiah. He's anticipating the Messiah coming. So that that shows something about the deep spirituality of of, uh, Andrew, that he was following uh, John the Baptist, waiting for the Messiah, and then he was one of the first to recognize the Messiah when he came. We're talking with Steve Ray, of course, our own Jerusalem Jones, and Steve has been to the Holy Land how many times now, Steve? Probably 300. Oh, over 200. It's over 200, yeah, Over 200 yeah. times, yeah. 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 What I love about the readings today, where you, you think about the gospel, and I, I will make you fishers of men, the... the, the how do I say the the illustration of a fisherman and what that means has so much to do with the lives of these apostles. It does, and your and your favorite place in in the Holy Land is the primacy of Peter. It's one right. of your favorite places, I know, because mm-hmm. you always get excited when we go there. <laughs> right. Um, but at that point, you you kind of see what's happening because when they 
when Jesus raises from the dead, he's not with them every day anymore. And they decide, well, what do you want to do, guys? I don't know. What should we do? And they, Peter says, well, I'm going back out fishing. That's what we know how to do. Jesus didn't hasn't given us any commission yet so they went out fishing so you assume that andrew and peter were on the boat out there fishing they didn't catch anything that jesus appears on the shore in the morning and says cast your net on the other side and they make a big catch of fish and this jesus he's telling them that they have to be fishers of men but that's that whole image the net in that story represents the church they're out fishing and they catch all of these fish 150 Three, why? Because that's what they believe. There was 153 different languages, nations, and tongues at the time. So one of each is in the net, and they pull the net up, and Peter drags it up and lays it on the shore of eternity at the feet of Jesus. It's a whole picture of the church. They go out fishing. They get a big. They can't catch him until Jesus is there. But once Jesus arrives, they then can catch him. They drag that net up, which represents the church, and it says the net did not have a tear in it, and that word is schizo, schism in the Greek. So that's a great picture of them being fishers of men. Interestingly enough, too, that we see that when Jesus calls them, Peter and Andrew are fishing. James and John are mending the nets. And if you look at what their respective ministries really were, Peter and Andrew were the fishermen, the evangelists, the ones that went out. John and James tended more to be not out talking so much, but they were the ones mending the net or taking care of the church. So you can always draw little uh, things like that from their life. We're talking with Steve Ray about uh, St. Andrew today on his feast day. And Steve, we both know that St. Andrew, some of his relics are in the beautiful Italian coastal town of Amalfi. How did they end up there? I knew you would you would uh, bring that. <laughs> bring up. Italy in Amalfi somehow, coast, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it looks like he was martyred uh, so, uh, on an X-shaped cross, and parts of his body got moved around. Some of them got there. Some of them were in St. Peter's. And then I think it was John Paul II, in a gesture, uh, ecumenical gesture, sent those to Patras, to the Church of St. Andrew in Patras, Greece. So there are parts of his body in different places, but the majority, I think, are in Patras in Greece. And by the way, in, in October, we're going to be taking a cruise, and we go right through the Bay of Patras, and we can see that beautiful church mm. of a, a Greek or Orthodox Church of St. Andrew, and that's where his relics are kept, thanks to uh, John Paul II giving them back to him. And by the way, the, the name Andrew is also, um, I think it, it, it fits him. Because when you compare him and his brother, you, you don't hear him say much. <laughs> he doesn't say hardly anything. I, I, I view him as kind of the strong, silent type. Peter is also the strong, boisterous, loud type. And Andrew was kind of the quiet, older brother. And he stayed with Peter. They were, um, whenever you hear a list of the disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, he's always in the top four. And the, and the order of those names is significant because Peter's always first and Judas Iscariot is always last. And so you get something of the pecking order of the importance of the apostles by the list, because even in Matthew, it says protos. First, there is Peter. And the word first means more than just numerically, that he is the first. He is the protos, the priority. And then Peter, Andrew, James, and John. So he's always in the top four, but he's not one of the top three of Jesus's most intimate disciples. Those, that was Peter, James, and John. Those are the ones he took up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Those are the ones he took to pray with him at the Church of Gethsemane. So Andrew was not in that special cadre, but his name means brave or manly. 
Mm. brave, manly guy. And he's called the Protocletos. That's a very uh, interesting word. He was the first one called by Jesus. Jesus met him first. Andrew is known and I tell your producer this all the time, Andrew Krushek, that Andrew is known in the Bible, they only in lists, but in the book of John, we see him do things three different times. We see him doing something. And every time, whenever I meet somebody named Andrew, I said, do you know what your job and your calling in life is? And they say, no, what? I said, well, what does Andrew do? And they said, I don't know. Every time Andrew's mentioned, except for in a list, he's always bringing someone to Jesus. I find that very interesting. Wow. He's the first one called. He is the Protocletos, the first one called by Jesus. But what does he do? Immediately goes and finds his brother Simon and says, we found the Messiah. And see, he's already waiting for the Messiah because he's a disciple of John the Baptist. He, he was there when the dove came down. I saw this. I saw the dove come down. And he runs and gets his brother Simon. He's not called Peter yet, Simon, and he brings him. He said, I found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. The next time we see something like this happen, John tells us that, and this also gives you an indication, I think, that John really liked Andrew because the other ones don't mention him, but John mentions him in these three episodes. The second time he brings someone to Jesus, says, Jesus says on John chapter 6, how are we going to feed all these people? And all they, oh, we don't know, we don't know. And then they found a boy that had the loaves and fish. And it said that Andrew found the boy and brought mm. him to Jesus. And then the third time is at right before Palm Sunday and right before the crucifixion. And this was very significant, I think, to Jesus because it, it, it you can see something changed in him at this point in John chapter 12, where, where there's some Greeks that come and they are in Jerusalem and they're looking for Jesus during the time of Passover. And Andrew brings those Greeks, those foreigners to Jesus. And at that point, Jesus said, okay, now it can be fulfilled. I think why is because there has to be people coming from the East and the West. The message of him has to go through all the world. And the wise men come from the East at the beginning and the Greeks come from the West at the end of his ministry. And there you have the East and the West. And Jesus said, okay, it's now time. But Andrew's the one that brought them to Jesus. So every time Andrew's mentioned, he's bringing someone to Jesus. I love that. That is beautiful. Okay, here's a fun question. And I would I love this because I remember the story you told about you fishing in the night of the Sea of Galilee. But I don't know if we have time yeah. for that. But uh, I want to ask you this question in terms of when we think about fishermen and we think about the Sea of Galilee and that whole experience. If you had one disciple with whom to sit and eat smoked fish, which one would it be? <laughs> I've thought about Inquiring that minds want to know. Yes. Well, I, you'd think Peter, because while he's, the, you know, he's kind of the leader of the band, but I would, I would suspect it would probably be Andrew that I would like to sit and talk with because I get the, just the impression of him that because of his deep spirituality, even beforehand, uh, following John the Baptist, that he's been in the picture longer than Peter has. He's, he's uh, from the very beginning, the first one called, he was already involved in this messianic quest before Peter was. Peter was out busy catching fish. Andrew was doing that, yes, but he was also traveling down towards the Jerusalem area to, to be with John, and he's there when, when Jesus is baptized. It's 
And he's the one that hears John the Baptist say, oh, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when he heard, he, then he went and got Peter. So I, I think that he's the strong, silent type. I think he probably remembers things well. He would probably be able to put the story into a very systematic and thought out manner. I really wish that he would have written a gospel because I think his gospel would have been very astute. So I, I would smoked fish, Andrew, sitting by a fire. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And you did do actually an evening of of, uh, fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, that was an interesting story, and it kind of makes me feel like I know these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I Before I got my knees replaced, I used to run everywhere in Israel, and I ran all the way around the Sea of Galilee. And I, But one morning I got up early, and I, I ran out, and I met the fishermen coming in in their little fishing boats in a harbor there on the west side um, near Nafginasar. And I started asking them questions about, do, do, the, do the waves really get big? And what kind of fish did you catch? And how much money are you going to make today? And they said, you it with a very heavy Hebrew, you know, Jewish accent, Hebrew. Uh, you ask too many questions. We have to work to do. If you want to know all of these things, get in, come here at six o'clock tonight. You can go in the boats and fish with us, and I'll answer all your questions while we're fishing. Well, good grief. How could I turn down an opportunity like that? So six o'clock that night, I was there. I helped them load the boat. The little boat is only about 13 feet long and five feet wide. And we went all the way up to the mouth of the Jordan River, and we set the nets, and I fished with those guys all wow. night. And I'm, while we're eating dinner up in the mouth of this of the uh, river there before the sunset, you kind of fish in the, at night because the fish can see the nets, and they won't go in. So at, at night, they're blind, and then they'll go into the nets. That's why they fish at night. And he says, yes, the waves can get to be 10 feet high here. So uh, it was a great time, and I realized I'm out there. I said oh, and at one moment, oh, my goodness, I'm out here with Peter, Andrew, James and John fishing mm, on the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, yeah incredible. It is, it's such an experience. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love the Sea of Galilee when you're standing there, especially my one of my favorite churches, obviously the Primacy of Peter, because you get the whole imagery of fishers yep. of men. And you yeah. do that so well, Steve, and help us understand it. Thank you. Happy almost Advent. And I know I'll probably talk to you before Christmas, but look forward to having you back on the show very soon. Thank you. Check Thank out you. Steve's great work, CatholicConvert.com, and all of his many trips, including a cruise he has coming up and also many other places around Europe. And we're doing a big 2025 Jubilee trip to Italy, Steve Ray and myself. So check that out as well. We'll be right back, let you know what's coming up on a Friday. Stay tuned. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak from More to Life. Would you like to have a better family life by Christmas? 
Join us Monday, December 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, for our free webinar, A More Peaceful Family by Christmas, A Catholic Parent's Guide to Advent. In Advent, we're called to make more room in our hearts and homes for Christ. Discover how the grace of Advent can help you celebrate the loving, faithful family life God wants for you. And it's free. Just register at catholichom.com slash webinar. That's catholichom.com slash webinar. See you there. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. Hope you're having a beautiful Thursday. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to be chatting with Doug Keck from EW10 for the Inside Word, a look at the upcoming programming, moving into Advent, and also Father Chris Alar and Fact Check Friday. All of that plus you on a Friday morning. Ciao, ciao. Talk to you tomorrow. Adamani. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.